I'm Gary Chevalier, Connections Pastor at Parkway Fellowship's West Park location. I pray today you're uplifted and encouraged by the truth of God's Word that you're about to hear and apply it to your daily life. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Uh, today we're kicking off a brand new series called What Would Jesus Undo? And I don't know if, if some of you remember this or not, but a number of years ago, uh, it was trendy in Christian culture to ask the question, what would Jesus do? And you know, and there were all sorts of like bracelets and billboards and sermon series and the, uh, the acrostic, you know, WWJD, which stood for, you know, what would Jesus do? And, and all that was actually really good because it helped people to begin to ask the question, hey, whatever, I'm, whatever situation I'm in, like, what would Jesus do? And that's good. But for this series, we want to ask a different question. We want to ask, what would Jesus undo? Uh, about a year ago, our teaching team basically just stumbled across this question because uh, a pastor in Oklahoma named Craig Rochelle was actually did a sermon series with this exact same title, different topics than what we're going to be talking about. And so it just got us thinking, what are the things in our culture and in our lives that Jesus would want to undo? Because while there are things that Jesus would want to do in us and what he wants to do through us, but there are also multiple things that Jesus would want to undo. And one of them is our topic for today, religion. Which I know sounds a little weird because thinking that, hey, Jesus, you know, he came to establish Christianity as a you know, like new religion, right? Wrong. That's not true at all. Um, because Christianity is not a religion, okay? A religion, by definition, is a list of rules whereby the followers, if they keep them, remain in good standing with their God. And if they break the rules or don't keep the rules, then they are in bad standing with their God. But look, here's the deal. Christianity is not about keeping rules so that I can be in good standing with God. Christianity says that I'm not in good standing with God no matter what I do because I have a sinful nature. And so because I have a sinful nature, essentially, I need a Savior because no amount of good deeds can fix me. Look, and that's why Jesus had to die on a cross so that his death could pay for you know, my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the entire world. And look, there's, there's no amount of good deeds that I can do that will ever put me in right standing with God. That's why I need Jesus. Because look, I don't get to heaven by being good. I get to heaven by being forgiven. Essentially, it's this. Write this down, okay? That God loves me not because of what I've done, but he loves me despite what I've done. Isn't that powerful? God doesn't love me because of what I've done, but he loves me despite what I've done. See, Christianity doesn't qualify as a religion because the truth is, Christianity doesn't require its followers to be particularly religious. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians have become more and more religious. And what I mean by that is they have become more and more focused on the rules than they are focused on God. 
Let me give you some examples. Um, if you've ever judged somebody's spiritual life because like you got in their car and the first preset on their radio was not KSBJ and you thought, well, I don't even know about these people, <laughs> right? Or, you know, or, or, or maybe for you, the words that come out of their mouths tend to be a little more colorful than the words that you would normally choose and you've judged their spirituality and their closest to God based on that. Or maybe you judge their spirituality based on what they drink or how much they drink. Or maybe you've judged somebody's spirituality because like their kids, they're just running around like wild animals and your kids over in the corner reciting their favorite Bible verses, <laughs> right? Or, or maybe for you, you have created rules in order to keep your kids from breaking other rules. For instance, if you won't let your kids say the word dang, because it sounds too much like the word that I'm not saying now, because my mom won't let me say it either, <laughs> then you've essentially created rules to keep kids from breaking other rules, which by the way is exactly what the religious leaders of Jesus' day did. They didn't want to break the rule of working on the Sabbath, so they created all these rules to keep people from breaking that rule. So if you've created rules to keep people from breaking other rules, well, then you might be more religious than you think. Or maybe for you it's this. Maybe, maybe you have said, you know, people in church, they are just so judgmental. Essentially what you've done is you've become judgmental about other people being judgmental. All of that, all of that is examples of religion setting up shop in our hearts. And that, that's really the point I'm trying to make, is that when re we tend to evaluate people on whether they are keeping the rules or not. That's religion. And, and, and if we allow religion to set up in our hearts, I'm telling you, we will end up going one of two ways. Okay? The first way is this, is that we end up becoming self-righteous and judgmental of other people. That's the one thing that will happen. That, I mean, never mind that we're not keeping all the rules ourselves. Okay? Never mind that there might be some things that we're not doing. If other people aren't keeping the same rules that we're keeping, then we become incredibly self-righteous and judgmental about those other people. And, and when, we, when we do that, I'm telling you, that's... that's Religion setting up shop in our hearts, and so we become judgmental. And so that's one way we could go. The other way we could go is essentially this, is that we become fed up and we just walk away. We just become fed up and walk away. That we think, you know what, all these people, they're such hypocrites, and I, I, I see all these hypocritical actions because they're not even keeping the same rules that they're talking about keeping. And so you know what, I don't need to feel guilty and judged all the time. I don't want to have anything to do with it, and we just walk away. And so look, here's the thing. In the end, our churches end up being filled with people who are self-righteous and judgmental. And if anybody ever tries to break in, they either join the self-righteous club or they end up walking away because they're fed up with it all. How in the world are we supposed to reach our community for Jesus if that's what's going on? If that's what's going on in the churches and if that's what's going on in our own hearts. And so Jesus comes and he's like, hey, 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 I don't want any of that to happen. I want to undo that type of thinking. And so of all the things that Jesus wants to undo, I'm telling you, this whole idea of religion, of 
just keeping the rules for the sake of the rules is definitely one of them. In fact, when Jesus saw religious people of his day, here's what he says. Look at there. It's in your message notes. In Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus says this. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus is actually quoting a passage from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, which means, by the way, that God has never been after us just to keep the rules. It means that God has always been after our hearts ever since the beginning, which means this, and this is your first film in the morning, write this down, is that Christianity is not about keeping rules, but about having a relationship. That's essentially what Christianity is about. It's not about keeping rules. It's about having a relationship. I'm going to look, if there's only one thing that you're going to get today, get this. If you're not going to get anything else out of today, get this. This is the most important thing that we're going to talk about all day long. Because look, more than anything, God wants to have a relationship with you. But look, every other world religion is about making rules, keeping rules, and what happens to you if you break the rules. <laughs> but Christianity, I'm telling you, the longer I'm, a, the longer I'm a Christian, the longer I'm a Christ follower, the more I realize that God's love for me is not conditional on me keeping the rules. The longer I'm a Christ follower, the more I realize that God's love for me is not conditional at all. It truly is unconditional. Which means that he wants to have a relationship with me. Now look, rules have a role, and we're going to talk about the role of rules here in just just a few minutes. But more than anything, God is interested in having a relationship with you, and you, and you, every person, me included. That's the point. But in order for that to happen, Jesus has to undo our thinking about religion. And so the question is, how? How does Jesus want to undo the thinking about religion in our world and in my own heart? Few ways. Here's the first. Number one is that Jesus shows me how to talk to God. Jesus shows me how to talk to God. When it comes to undoing religion, I'm telling you, this is one of the best things that we can learn from Jesus, and it's how to talk to God. And in one of the most vulnerable moments of Jesus' life, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he's going to be crucified, Jesus, like, he's not concerned about appearing religious, not that he ever was, but he's especially not concerned about appearances. He, in one of the most vulnerable moments of his life, he pours out his heart to God. And when he does, Jesus teaches us how to talk to God. He teaches us the words that we ought to use to, when we talk to God. And more specific, most specifically, he says, there's one word, one particular word that we want to look at. It's in Mark 14, verse 36. Jesus says this. He says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, somewhere in your notes by the word Abba or in your Bible, somewhere by the word Abba, I want you to write the word dad. Because 
That's what that word means. So when Jesus is, is at his most desperate, when he's at his most vulnerable, when he is really pouring his heart out to God in the most genuine, authentic way, he addresses God as dad. As dad. So look, whatever you called your dad when you were a kid, I mean, you know, whether it was dad or daddy or papa or, you know, whatever you called him, that is the term that Jesus is using here. And in his language, the term is Abba. So look, one of the best things that you can do to deepen your relationship with God and unwind religion in your heart and undo religion in your heart is to begin to address God as dad, okay? Not God, not heavenly father, not father, but address him as dad. I remember for me, the, the, the very first time I did this, man, I'm telling you, things changed for me. I, I, I was at a Bible study, um, and the guy leading the Bible study came across this passage, and he said, hey, just try addressing God as dad. So I thought, well, okay, I might as well go. I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I went home that night, and I started praying, and I prayed, and I, for the first time in my life, I addressed God as Dad. I'll be honest with you, like, it was weird. I'm telling you, like, it was, it was too vulnerable for me. I, I almost felt like I was being disrespectful. And the reason I felt that way is because I thought I might be breaking one of God's rules. And the reason I felt that way is because, honestly, I had more religion in my heart than I thought I did. And so, I, I'm telling you, I wanted to make sure that I had, like, appropriate distance between me and God. But I'm telling you, when I used that word, dad, man, that gap closed immediately. I mean, all that distance, it just, it just, it just evaporated. So I'm telling you, whenever I'm in my own personal time alone with God, and I and I address him as dad, I'm telling you, it's like, whoosh. I mean, the distance just closes almost immediately. I mean, it, it is incredible what the power of this one word does. I mean, it, it creates a sense of vulnerability, a sense of closeness, a deepness in a relationship that can hardly be done any other way. And so here's what I want you to try. All this week, when you're at home alone, praying to God, I want you to use the word dad when you pray to him. Or whatever word you use when you addressed your father when you were a kid. Whatever that word is. And here's the thing. If you've had a bad relationship with your earthly dad, and so you know, that term actually has negative feelings for you, you know what? Then borrow Jesus' word. And use the word Abba. And let Jesus redefine for you what a good father-child relationship looks like. I'm telling you, it will be so powerful for you. So try it this week. Okay? Here's the second way that Jesus wants to undo religion in our world and in our own hearts. And that's this. Is that Jesus switches the rules for me. He switches the rules for me. Now, let me set the stage for this verse so that it'll make sense for you, okay? Um, 
God commands his people to take a day of rest every week. It's called the Sabbath day. And the Jews, they took that very, very, very seriously. And so what they would do in preparation for the Sabbath day, on the day before, they would bake extra bread. They would prepare extra food. They would get extra water. They would do all the little things that they could do on the day before so that when they got to the Sabbath day, they wouldn't have to do anything that could possibly be considered as work. Well, as it so happens, Jesus and his disciples, the day before the Sabbath day, they were ministering to huge crowds of people. So they did not have time to prepare extra food on that day in preparation for the Sabbath. So on the Sabbath day, they're walking through a grain field and they are hungry. And so they begin to pick little pieces of grain off of the stalks of wheat and barley and they begin to eat them. First off, can you imagine how awful that must have tasted? Like, that just been terrible. I mean, no Chick-fil-A sauce, right? I don't even want to live in that kind of world, right? But anyway, that's what the disciples were. They were eating that stuff. And now, the religious leaders see the disciples doing this work, and the religious leaders start to freak out. I mean, they start to call out the disciples for doing work on the Sabbath day, and they start to question Jesus. How in the world could you let your disciples break one of God's biggest laws by doing work on the Sabbath day? How could you let that happen, Jesus? And then Jesus responds, and in one sentence, wrecks them. And in one sentence, Jesus undoes that whole religious way of thinking. Look what Jesus says. It's incredible. In Mark 2, 27, then he, that's Jesus, said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I'm telling you, in that moment, like, we get a glimpse into God's heart and God's heart says that the rules are there for our benefit, okay? He creates the rules for us, but religion says that we are created for the rules. And so when Jesus switches the rules for me, essentially Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying that I am more important than the rules. He's saying I am more important than the rules, that the rules are made they're there to help me, not to you know, limit my fun, but they're there to protect me, uh, to, essentially to save me from my own bad choices in life. I'm not made to serve the rules. The rules are made to serve me. You know what? Maybe this is one of those places where you've gotten hung up in your life. But somewhere along the way, you bought in the line of thinking that you know, God's all about keeping the rules, and the rules, they just limit my fun, they make my life miserable, and so why in the world would I ever want to be a part of anything like that? I'm telling you, none of that could be farther from the real truth. The real truth is that God did not make you to keep the rules. He made the rules to help you in life, okay? For those of you that are parents, you'll, you'll understand this, okay? The rules that you give your kids, like don't talk back, don't cheat, don't steal, don't bite your sister, okay? Um, you know, we're going to limit your time on the phone or the computer or whatever your rules are, okay? You didn't have kids, so you finally would have somebody that could keep all your rules. That's not why you have kids. That's not even why you have rules, right? Right? 
The reason you have rules is because you want to protect your kids from the things in this world that will harm them, and you want your kids to grow up to be good people. That's essentially why you have your rules and what your rules want to accomplish, right? I mean, like, when our kids were small, and, you know, we were trying to help our kids understand some of the rules and why we had the rules, we would tell our kids this. We'd say, hey, we have this rule to keep you safe and to keep you from growing up to be a dirty, rotten kid. That's what we tell them. And we'd make them repeat it back to us. And so they'd go, we'd go hey, you know, Ben, let me, why do we have this rule? And they'd be like, oh, to keep us safe, to keep me from growing up to be a dirty, rotten kid. I mean, that, and that, I mean they got so tired of it, but, that, but that's what we would tell them. Because that's essentially why we had whatever rule is that we had. So let me ask you this. Why do you think that our Heavenly Father has rules that he's given us? I mean, did God create us so that finally he'd have somebody that could keep all his rules? No. God has his rules and for a purpose. And when Jesus says this one says when he says, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath, basically what Jesus is doing, he is, he is switching the rules for me. He's putting me above the rules. And when he switches the rules for me and he does it for you, basically he's saying, I'm doing it because I love you. That God has given you and me rules to live by to keep us safe and to keep us from growing up to be dirty, rotten kids. That's essentially it. And when we finally get that, I'm telling you, that will begin to undo religion in our own hearts. But there's a third thing that Jesus does. And that's this, is that Jesus reveals the deeper purpose behind God's rules. And this is something that almost never gets talked about and rarely gets mentioned, ever. But until we understand this, the deeper reason and purpose behind God's laws will remain hidden from us. And we'll actually miss out on God's invitation to have a relationship with him. And interestingly enough, this teaching doesn't actually come from Jesus directly. It actually comes from the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, had an incredibly deep relationship with Jesus. And so it's when Jesus reveals this to Paul that Paul, in turn, passes it on to us. And Paul reveals to us the deeper purpose behind God's rules. Here's what Paul says, and I, and I love how the Living Bible puts it because it, it just makes it so clear. Romans 3.20, it says, now do you see it? No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know of God's laws, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying them. His laws, only, his laws serve only to make us see that we are sinners. See, the Jews of Jesus' day, they thought that they could earn their way to heaven by keeping God's laws. But they misunderstood. No matter what you and I do, we, we can't keep all of God's laws anyway. It, it, it's impossible to keep them all. Now, that doesn't mean that you just say, well, you know what, since I can't keep all the laws, I might as well just chuck them. No, that's not what God wants us to do. Because remember, God gives us his laws to benefit us, to keep us safe and help us from growing up to be dirty, rotten kids. 
But the Jews thought that by keeping all God's laws that they could get to heaven, okay? They, they didn't understand that no matter what you did, you can't keep all God's laws anyway. So, does God want you to stop keeping his laws? No. Because they benefit you. But the purpose of God's laws is not to provide for you a way to get to heaven. Can't be done. We aren't good enough, okay? The deeper purpose behind God's laws is this. Is that the, let's put this up on the screen. The deeper point of the law is to help me see my need for Christ. It's to help me see that because I can't keep all God's laws, I need forgiving. I need a Savior. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. See, the God's law is to help me see my need for Jesus is so great that no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, I can't keep all God's laws anyway. And so, I mean, I'm going to try, but I need him to forgive me and I need him to help me. And all that has a starting point when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and it continues throughout your life as Jesus helps you and he helps me to guide us and strengthen us and help us obey God's laws as best we can. And we stumble and fall and don't keep his laws. He's there to forgive us, catch us and help us walk again. That's what it's really all about. See, God's rules just don't point out what I'm doing wrong so that I'll feel bad about myself. Like, that's not the point. The deeper point is that my inability to keep God's laws shows me how badly I need Jesus. And that is the point, that I need a Savior. And all that starts by becoming a Christ follower. Uh, Look, Becoming a Christ follower is the first step to not being religious. Because here's the deal. If you're religious, that means that you're trying to earn your way to heaven by keeping all God's rules. You can't do it anyway. What, you're, what you really want to say is, Jesus, since I can't, I need you to forgive me for everything I've ever done and even the things that I've yet to do. Because you need a Savior. That starts when you ask Jesus to come into your life. Have you ever done that? If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, there's a prayer at the bottom of your message. I want you to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer right now. Now look, if you've already prayed that prayer before, then would you make a commitment now to deepen your relationship with Christ? Look, that's why he came. That's why he died. Jesus did not come to make you more religious He came so that you could have a relationship with him that would start when you became a Christ follower, but it would continue and grow and deepen for the rest of your days on earth, and then would go to a whole nother level once you exit this life and step into his presence. I'm telling you. I want you to look at the last, these next two verses the Apostle Paul writes, because it perfectly sums up the religious mindset that Jesus came to undo. He continues in verse 20 and 21. But now God has shown us a different way to heaven. Not by being good enough and trying to keep his laws, but by a new way, although not new really, for the scripture told us about it long ago. Now God says he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. 
And we all can be saved in this same way by coming to Christ, no matter who we are or what we've been like. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray for all of us. Dad, I come to you now in behalf of all of us telling you that we need you. We need you to undo those religious thoughts and attitudes that have just set up shop in our hearts that where we try to evaluate ourselves and even judge other people based on keeping rules or what we think is right. Forgive us for putting that above other people. But instead, I ask that you would help each one of us to understand that as our dad, as our father, not only are you good, but you love each one of us unconditionally. Help us to love other people unconditionally. Help us to deepen a relationship with you and that all of the laws would point to our need for Jesus and that you would guide us and help us so that, so that you can keep us safe and keep us from growing up to be dirty, rotten kids. I love how you gently love us and lead us and are so patient with us. Please continue to be that way as we try to grow in our relationship with you. I love you. Thank you for the things you've done in my life and will do. And for thank you for the things you've done in everybody's lives here and the things that you have yet to do. And I ask you to do all these in the name of the one who willingly died for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our weekly podcast from the Sunday Morning Experience. If you have questions, please reach out at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Have a great week.